You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Folks, I keep telling you and I mean it. You're either one in four, things are going poorly, bad, I know that. You guys want heads on a platter, I know that. And I, I appreciate you still tuning in to listen to the talk about the Washington Commanders. I never take it for granted. Today, it's keys and prediction time because the Commanders, of course, play Thursday night against the Chicago Bears. Before I get to the keys and then the prediction, a couple house house cleaning items, I guess I should say. Um, number one, Jahan Dodson and Logan Thomas and William Jackson III have been ruled out for Thursday's game against the Bears. Not a big surprise, especially with Thomas and Dodson. When they weren't able to go on Tuesday, you knew that they're not going to put him in there on Thursday when they're coming off. Thomas has a calf injury. Uh, Dodson has the hamstring injury. With those kind of injuries, you need to make sure. And I just don't, I don't, like, usually with the hamstring, it's going to be a few-week injury. And for Dodson, it would have only been a week and a half. That's just not enough time. I don't know what his status is for the following week. Same with Logan Thomas. I don't know. And with Jackson, it was very weird because after the game, we asked Rivera about taking Jackson out of the game. And he just kind of kept saying, well, I made a decision. I made a decision. And then Jackson said, I'm dealing with her with a, a bulging disc in his back. So kind of makes a difference. Now, he was on an injury report earlier, a couple of games ago, missed the Eagles game because of it. But I will also say that they need to see him. They know he needs to play better. They want to see him play better. They need to see him play better. So in their minds, it may have been a combination of the back is affecting his play, but it's also not just his back because there are times where I think he just – I don't think he'll ever be a good zone corner, and that becomes a problem. And I think also when when the offense stresses the commander secondary, it's you. It's oftentimes Jackson who has an issue with it. So, you know, I so what his loss means. He's still he's still a starting quarter corner in the NFL, and the Commanders are not deep at the position. But it does get Benjamin St. Juiced into the starting lineup, and I don't think that's a bad thing to be honest. Now, the you know, I'll get to the Bears passing attack in a minute. As far as Thomas, again, not a big surprise. We'll see Cole Turner, John Bates, and Armani Rogers again on Thursday. Would like to see um, Turner get some more action. Listen, man, there are a couple times he was open the other day. In fact, on the first fourth down and four play, if you go back and look at it, Turner's got his man beat on a fade. I don't know why the ball didn't go to him. It was there. It was a long game potential. Big miss, in my opinion. But you go on. So there you go. And then also, you can read my work, of course, on ESPN.com. I have a story up now on Ron Rivera and the 85 Bears and the influence on them and just the, some of the stories that he shares about the players on that team, Jim McMahon, Steve McMichael, Mike Ditka, 
Buddy Ryan, Walter Payton, William the Fridge Perry, all that stuff. And I know, folks, this is the hard part for a writer. So just so you know, I'm going to let you in on how this works. When the when the commanders, when Washington plays a primetime game, I am asked in the spring, what are some story ideas for that particular week? So we already knew story ideas for the Eagles game, the primetime game, for this game. You know, way back, I knew this in May. I knew what I was working on in May, worked, you know, got the interviews earlier in the season and talked to people about this. I don't know what the team's record is going to be. This is scheduled to run the week of the game. Really, it's supposed to run on Thursday, but it's already out there now. Um, Anyway, the hard part for a writer when they're like this, you tweet it out and all you get are negative, 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 negative comments. Not necessarily about the story, but about the team and people don't want to read it. I get it. But as a writer, this is part of the reason why when people wonder about, you know, uh, well, you guys root for them to lose or something. Folks, more people read me when they win. That's just, that's not a secret. OK, more people watch this podcast or listen to the podcast, watch it on YouTube when they win. And what I want to do is have my work read and my work seen. So this is another example. And I can't control that they're one in four and people are pissed off beyond belief at this point. And I don't blame you. I'm not I don't blame you. And I'm not looking for pity. But it is kind of it's one of those frustrating things as a reporter that you work on something for a little while and and then you it comes out and it comes out and you know at a time when the team is not doing well, people are are really upset, et cetera. So not looking for pity, but just just kind of sharing some of the frustrations that anybody would have because we all know our work gets more read um, when they win. And so when people accuse others of of the opposite, they're way off. So, and it's not about rooting for a team to win or lose. It's simply you want your stuff to be relevant. You want your stuff to be read, et cetera. Anyway, let's move on. That's it. My little two cent rant. Um, anyway, let's, so let's get to the keys and the prediction for, for Thursday's game. The first key, run the ball, win the ground game, but starts running the ball. This is not, again, to, you know, they don't have to sit there and run 50 times because I do think they can take advantage of the Bears of some – I know the Bears' top corner, Jalen Johnson, coming back, but they also have some inexperience there that they can exploit. I think there's some Jaquan Brisker safety, really like him, but he's also a rookie. So are there things you can exploit a little bit there? But to me, it starts with the run game. Brian Robinson is second game back. I think this is a good opportunity to play some physical ball in the middle. The Bears are not strong in the defensive interior. It is a chance to, to really win up front. The Bears are 31st against the run in terms of yards per game, 24th in yards per carry. Now, when they played the Titans last week, and I have my guy Teron Davenport on, Titans reporter, he made it seem like the, the Titans struggled against the run. In one, their, their stats were poor against the run, but it really stemmed from a one game. This, with the Bears, it's every game. This is the way you have to win. Now, what I've seen some other teams do, you can attack them on the edge, but you got to get the receivers involved in those crackback blocks but you can beat them there. But again, you know, in talking to people in Chicago, they're not very good inside. So I think this is a good game for Brian Robinson. I do think he's going to get a decent number of carries. When this team started turning around last year, it all started with the ground game. And I don't think you have the passing attack to carry him right now. We've seen that. They can make big plays, but are you going to trust right now how Carson Wentz and the passing game are playing? It's not all on him, but he, but it's too inconsistent. The way you gain consistency to me with this offense is by establishing that run game. And that means a heavy dose, a heavier dose of Brian Robinson. I would also say 
get some more movement and motion in that run game with Curtis Samuel. I saw some issues with the Bears when when opposing teams would do that combined with some of those tight formation crackback blocks. Will Washington do that? We'll see. They need to do that. Oh, and one more thing when it comes to the run, I do think there could be a change in the middle of Washington's line as center Tyler Larson is back. He was the backup to Chase Rouye last year, and he would have been this season. He would have been the guy, first guy to go in had he been healthy, but he's been practicing. Wouldn't shock me if he's in there instead of Nick Martin. I think it gives him a little bit more of a physical presence in the middle. It should. Now, this is his first game back in, in a while because the Achilles, but that could be a change. And whether that helps, it should be better snaps, if nothing else. So I think that will help. And the other thing with the Bears defense, they do like to play at times a lot of cover two, Tampa two. That forces you to be patient. It forces you to be, you know, again, patient, patient, patient. That means Carson Wentz, but it also means you can run the ball if they do that a lot. And so that's another reason why I think you got to do that. And I also say win the ground game because the Bears do run the ball pretty well. And and I'll, I'll get to that in, in a minute. Number two, contain Justin Fields. Keep him in the pocket. You got to keep him in the pocket. Now, you know I'm an Ohio State guy. I saw Justin Fields. I saw every throw he made and every snap he took at Ohio State. And I thought he was a good pro prospect, a flawed one. He's got flaws, but I thought he was a good pro prospect because of the athleticism and he's got some deep ball throwing ability. And, and so I, I thought he was an intriguing guy from that regard. And I also know that this team liked him. Washington would have traded up for him. Washington certainly considered trading up for him. They felt the price was too high. I don't know what the price was. Um, I know that sometimes this team doesn't get as aggressive, although they did go get Carson Wentz. That was pretty aggressive what they gave up for him to get him. Um, and, you know, maybe somebody else has another word for them, aggressive for that. But the point is they did like him, and I can see why. There are plays that Justin Fields can make, but oftentimes it comes off his legs. you got to keep him in the pocket. And this is another game where the ends can – if you start getting 10 yards upfield as a defensive end, you're going to leave a gap for him, and he's going to exploit it. And he can make some big plays with his legs. Once he gets outside there – He's going to look to run. He's not going to look to throw. He will look to run. So you need to keep him in that pocket. And I wouldn't, you know, I would do, I would send some blitzes on that up the middle. Keep him contained in there. Let the ends pinch, attack that middle area. Jamin Davis would be a guy that could have a big game doing that if they if they go that direction. Um, Fields has Fields did a better job against the Vikings last week in, in terms of passing. But he's really been a guy who's a big play guy. That's what he's going to look for is to try and make the big play. A little bit like a Carson Wentz. He's not a guy who's going to take the layup very often, and that can get him into trouble. I saw this at Ohio State. He could hang on to the ball at Ohio State because you had more time and you had unbelievable receivers who you could trust would get open. You don't always have that with the Chicago Bears, folks. So it does get Fields into some trouble in the pocket. But I would also say sometimes when you watch the film, you see Fields being engulfed by a pass rush, and you don't see a Bears receiver who's really even breaking open because either the plays are too slow or too far downfield um, or whatever, or they're just not getting open. They don't have a very good receiving core. So that's where, you know, it doesn't even have to be about disguising coverages to throw them off. You've just got to play good, solid coverage and then get that rush home. And there are, you know, I've seen some, there are some spots in the interior. It's a very average Chicago Bear offensive line in terms of protection at best. And so I think John Allen, Deron Payne can certainly take advantage. And I do think Montez Sweat can as well. 
But again, I would send Jamin Davis a couple times at the middle because I do think you can open up some areas with some action up there and get him in there. When Fields is going to run. The Fields is a really good runner. He can. I think it's it's 42 carries for 194 yards this season. Um, so he can make big plays. He can extend plays. There was a fourth and four. I think it was against the Giants where he extends it because the pass rush doesn't maintain gap discipline. Uh, he runs to the right side because the defensive end goes 10 yards upfield and it leaves a big gap. And that's all it's going to take for him. And especially if you're playing man, he's going to see that and he's going to take off and he's going to make a big play. They can also run the ball. And that's where the Bears don't, I don't think, I don't know that they have a consistent run game as much as they have one where they can, they get a decent number of explosive runs. In fact, I think it's, they're one of the better teams in terms of yard, you know, gains, rushing gains of 10 yards or more. The Bears have 25 such carries, tied for third in the NFL with that number. The commander's defense, though, has only allowed 12 of such runs, and that's tied for seven in the NFL. So that's a really good matchup to watch is Washington's run defense against that Bears run offense. The Bear, It almost feels like the Bears either get 10 yards or, or maybe not anything. Almost, almost half of their runs have gained two yards or less. So the and again, you have to factor in the Justin Fields runs with that as well. But even excluding his Fields' runs, they still average about three nine per carry. So that's not too bad. So that's just one to watch. But again, contain Fields in the pocket. Finally, and I don't usually like to go this route because it kind of it feels cliche-ish, but I'm going to go this way. Details. Pay attention to the details. And that starts with penalties. It's also about leverage. If you're supposed to play a certain leverage, get it right because every game we keep hearing after the game, if they had played, we had asked them to do this and then they did this. And it's always about some case of leverage, whether it's whether it was J- Jamin Davis early in the year and still even a couple weeks ago, or whether it's William Jackson in certain coverages or or others, Derek Forrest. Some of those are young guys. Sometimes it's just paying attention to the details. Know what your assignment is and execute it. It's basic. But this team hasn't done it. And until they do, they're not going to snap this losing streak. Here's here are a couple of stats. They are, let's take a look at the penalties. They are tied in terms of overall for the season. You might be surprised by this because the last two games have been putrid, but they're tied for 18th in terms of the most penalties. But but they're tied for they're fourth in the most penalty yards. So that's a pretty big difference. There is a almost well, there's a 99 yard difference between the penalty yards for Washington and their opponents. That is the single biggest gap in the NFL. That you can't change. This this team is not good enough to win when you're not adhering to certain details. And again, taking being disciplined with, with how you play is chief among them. And then again, I think some of that goes back to then attacking weaknesses and all that. Okay, that's fine. But, it, but I'm going to stick on the details because until you get those right, you're not going to win. And I know that it feels cliche. It's kind of like saying, well, win the turnover battle. Well, duh, you want to do that. But you've got, if you can, if you can maintain your, your discipline with these details and not put yourself in the hole all the time, make a good decision on a run. Don't throw for intentional grounding when you, when you're, when you're on the run or, or whatever, like, like Carson Wentz did a couple of games ago. Um, offensive line, know your assignments and, you know, watch the hands of the face, et cetera. All those big things, all those little things add up for this team. They're just not good enough to overcome that too often. So that's the last one. Details, win, pay attention to them, 
and get them right. There you go. So now let's get to a prediction. Man, after the last four weeks, I can't believe I'm going to go here. But sometimes you watch the Bears and like you say, oh, man, they, they I think the way the commanders want to play or need. Let me say this. If they play the way I think they will, which is running the ball and taking advantage of that and then putting getting fields in some tough situations, then I think they win the game. And I think I'm going to go Washington 21-17. I can see Justin Fields hurting them. I can see. And here's the other detail. I'll go back to this. Darnell Mooney, the receiver, he's the one guy that can really hurt them. Cole Komet, the tight end, underneath stuff. I think if you let's let's go let's talk about this. So I saw, I think it was the Vikings game. There are a couple times Cole Komet gets on the little dig route or a little about it, maybe maybe about a 12, 14 yard hook, I should say. And the reason why he's open is because there's people who want spies on quarterbacks. It's because a linebacker was spying on Justin Fields and not able to get into his drop area and clog that lane and leaves an open for Komet. You're not going to lose just with that with that route, but you can lose with Darnell Mooney. So you need to be detailed with how you play him, how you communicate back there. It's one reason why Cam Curl, to me, will be big in this game, not so much in the secondary, but up, up around the line and what he can do up there and his communication skills are really good. So that helps. But anyways, just wanted to add that little fact in there. So I do think Washington wins the game 21-17. They keep saying they're close, but again, every team is close. And until you win a game, you know, that's all you are is close. And close, you could be close and you're one in five. The bottom line is you'd be one in five. And at that situation, folks, all bets are off. You know, one thing I know about the Snyder family is they they're not going to be happy if this team is one in five after what they the expectation what they're what the expectations were. And I don't think that this organization wants to see the unhappy Snyder family. So there you go. That's my prediction. Those are my keys to the game. Again, I appreciate you tuning in, and I will be back after the game with Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. We will go over what the Bears and the Commanders did and why and look ahead a little bit, depending on what the result is. So there you go, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>